0: Welcome back to episode number 53 of The MP Dude This is Jeff The MP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice That's all of our voices, even my voice right now That's all jacked up because of the, the pollen and everything else My allergies are killing me It's been horrible this year, horrible And uh, I'm looking as I'm driving and I see fields and fields of dandelions And uh, that's probably the worst thing I'm allergic to When I see the white fuzzy things, that's that's like death to me that's That means I'm, I'm in for it. So I took my Allegra this morning. Well, hopefully it'll kick in soon, but right now it's not. So I sound like crap. I apologize. That's my bad. I should have taken my pill sooner. Oh, well. So when life gives you dandelions, what do you do? You make dandelion wine. So that's what I did yesterday. I made some dandelion wine. It's nice to just be kind of done with stuff. Scouts is kind of almost wrapped up for the season, and, and um, that's winding down. And so it was like Sunday morning I I woke up we had some kids stay over and uh, after the Cub Scout thing and so we just uh, just nice to wake up make pancakes and just take a breath so hopefully you guys had some relaxation this last weekend and and enjoyed your time off and uh, you know we're getting ready to start the day with purpose so what do we want to talk about today first thing um, Facebook is exploding exploding it's amazing it really is. I know. I said it last last week in the last show uh, on Friday, and I posted three shows. and I apologize that there were so many in succession. It's just that those those were what built up all last week, and uh, th- I envision that that's probably going to be how things happen. I'll, I'll do a couple shows, and I'll kind of mass post them, and then and then. Um We'll, will add a couple more in the queue and then I'll, I'll mass post them as well. So I apologize if you're a, like a daily type of listener and you can't control your, your consumption of podcasts, I'm that way too. Um, so I'll burn through podcasts and they be like, crap, now I got nothing good to listen to <laughs> while I'm driving. So, um, I apologize for that, but at least things are getting out there. Information's getting out there and uh, I'm getting a lot of great comments. You guys are still feeding me information and I appreciate that. Um... The other thing, uh, housekeeping, and then uh, we'll get into what we're going to talk about today. The, the housekeeping issue now is I uh, started an Instagram page for me, and I did the NP Dude. I don't know how to do Instagram. I don't, It seems like Facebook to me, and it kind of links to Facebook, so I'm like friending everybody through it, or whatever it is. I'm hearting people, I guess. I don't know. So I'm on Instagram now, so uh, that's just another way if you're an Instagram fan and... Uh, you want to say hi to me or follow me or whatever it's um just follow jeff powers or the np dude No, sp- there's no spaces in it and uh you can catch me on instagram and i also did a twitter account but i don't tweet so um i'm not a tweety kind of guy but what i did do is i set it up so that this show when i posted it should in theory kick to your twitter feed as well so i set up the twitter page and um it's very similar to my Facebook page, but if you guys do Twitter more, I'm just trying to make it easier for you guys. If you guys don't use Facebook that much, but you use Twitter, then then you know at least you can follow me on Twitter and then uh, you can catch the shows that way. Maybe a little bit easier to just say, oh yeah, he's got another show out there, it's something interesting for me to listen to, or. Um, shameless plug for you to say, Oh, that's a good one. I know somebody going through that issue. I'm going to forward it to them so that they know about it, or I'm going to tag them, or however you do it in, in your other social medias. So that's what's going on there. So you might see that pop up on your Twitter feed if you guys follow me. So go and look and find me and follow the NP dude. It's at the NP dude on, um, on Twitter as well. So if you guys are having problems with that, just let me know because it's probably me because I, I don't know. Twitter, <laughs> so I'm old. I'm just old. I need to throw in the towel with this media stuff. I don't know. I like doing this though, so I don't want to give it up, right? All right. Well, I'm not going to give it up. So, anyways, what are we going to talk about today? Um, I had a good comment come in, and it was insurance related, right? But it was it wasn't the the main like. You know, I've got a you know this type of coverage policy question, or how much should I get, or how much does it cost? Question, but it was a big picture question, and it came from somebody that said, okay, I've, I've listened to a bunch of your shows, I've listened to your insurance shows in the past, and that all makes sense. I get it. I know what I know what the policies are. I know what they you know what they cover and why they cover, and I understand malpractice better now and all that stuff. So that's great. I appreciate that. But this was this was even like the more simple question, and it's like, man, I never really did talk about that. I just say, don't do it, and everybody says, don't do it, but nobody explains why you you uh, should you should or shouldn't do this issue. And the issue is when you have insurance through your through your practice, why should you get your own policy? Everybody tells you, all lawyers say, go get your own policy. It protects you. But nobody explains it really well. So I'm going to do my best to explain it and try to clear it up because it is a very good point. And I think if we clear this up, man, then, then everybody will be like, oh, okay, it makes a lot of sense now. And then it just it's one more aspect of your life that you don't have to worry about. So what? here's the hypothetical. I'm a hypothetical person. You go get your job, they love you, you love them, everything's great. They hire you, you fill out all the paperwork, you agree with their, their uh, compensation package, including their benefits. As such, part of their benefits package includes uh, malpractice insurance policy. So you have a mal- malpractice insurance policy. It's in your name. It's in your name, kind of. Well, how do you know, number one? They just say, we'll get your malpractice insurance policy. They should furnish you some form of copy of it. You should get a copy of it. You should get a copy of it. You should get a copy of it. And not only because you want to know what type of insurance it is and the limits and all that stuff that they're saying they're going to give you, but you need to have a copy of it if things go south with a patient so that you know who to contact. You just, you just need to know that. I mean, you need to know what the, what the process is. You need to know what you're covered for, why you're covered, when you're covered, all that stuff. It needs to be spelled out in the, in the contract. The contract with the insurance company, your insurance policy contract. It's just a contract. So why, why is that important? Is you, you need to know. You need to know, you need to know, you need to know. And a lot of times I, I'm, I'm hearing that people don't even know if they even in fact have the insurance, said insurance policy that was negotiated in their contract for employment. So that's a big deal in and of itself, right? If you're going to buy me insurance policy, I need to have a copy of it and you do it when you're up front and everything's you know in that negotiation kind of phase and that you put it in agreement you, in your contract of employment. You shall furnish a policy that's a minimum of $1 million, $3 million in the aggregate policy, claims made, and it will be in my name only. Or whatever the terms are that you want. Two, six, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But that's how I would do it, and I would have it in my name Only not as a rider to the, the corporate policy. And if they say, no, we have a corporate policy, and we'll add you as a rider, I would immediately say, I want my own policy in my name only. And, and here's why. When it's in the company's name, who hires the lawyer to defend the situation? The company hires the lawyer. The lawyer may or may not have your interest at all in mind. Period. Period. That lawyer's legal obligation, ethical obligation, is to the to the person that hires them, and that is not you. If that's that situation, so if they say, "Well, we're we're going to hire you, you're going to come work for us," we have our generic policy that's a generic malpractice that covers the practice, and um, it, it basically has riders to the for the for the individual policy holders. Then, then you can you can say, well, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Ooh, I'm going a little fast. Oh, please not turn around. Cop, cop. I don't know. There's a hill. Should I gun it? I don't know. Should I race him? I don't know. I'm not getting pulled over today. So anyways, um, yeah, I think I'm safe. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> Pop over a hill and there's a cop. Whoops. Um anyways okay so where was I um, so you got this generic policy with with all these addendums with the different the different providers names on it and say yeah we'll we'll protect them we'll protect them we'll protect them for each for this amount and whatever it is if that's how that policy is written the, the problem with that is you don't have any say in who the who the attorney is you don't have any say on whether they are going to make the best interest for you and they have nothing they, they may say you know what this individual was at fault and we're gonna negotiate a settlement agreement that says, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll settle it out for $5 million, your policy's for $3 million, and now you're on the hook for $2 million and you didn't get to say anything about whether you were right or wrong or indifferent. You get nothing. Now you, you would have to hire your own attorney and then at that point, you don't have any other insurance policy, then you're on your own. You're on your own and you've got zero footing. Zero footing. So that's the main reason is that you, you wanna make sure that you are you are individually protected. Now if you're for sure that they bought the policy, they don't the insurance company doesn't care who buys the policy, who pays the premium. They don't care whose name's on the check or credit card or however you're doing it. All they wanna know is who am I insuring? So if your company that you're going to work for calls up 1-800-PRO-LIABILITY and says, Jake from Pro-Liability, I on an insurance policy for one of my providers, they'll say, that's fine, we just need all their information. You fill out the information, just like you would do at home on your home computer, and then they write the check. They don't care. You're still covered 100% by that. You get the policy in your name, but you need to make sure you got a copy of the policy because you need to know who to call when there's a problem. Now the way that it works is that you get to get your own attorney. It says it gives you covers you for reasonable attorney's fees and all that stuff in there, right? So what you do is you go down to you know the local bar association. I don't know who to to get. You say I need a reputable malpractice insurance. Um, attorney they give you the name of four or five guys you call them up you interview them they won't charge you for your initial consultation quote unquote because until you sign an agreement with them there's no fee so if they say oh you need you owe me 50 bucks for coming in today you say bullshit you're full of it i don't need to pay you a dime now your state may be different but ohio that's how it is so you get your attorney and then it's your attorney you get to pick and then your your insurance will kick back for that for that that claim to you they give you a big fat number you have to you know give the bill of your attorney's fees and all that stuff so that you can show how much money it is plus any any loss that you have through the settlement and all that stuff so your insurance will know everything money-wise and then they reimburse you up to the limits so it's out of your pocket essentially to get things going but then they reimburse you now here's the problem that everybody's worried about. And this is the that we're 11 minutes and 40 some seconds in. And this is the key that everybody wants to argue. And the reason that people say don't worry about it, you don't need two insurance policies because the insurance companies are going to fight over who's going to play pay the claim. And if if it was health insurance, I would say yes. That may be true. That might be true, that might be true, that might be true. And here's the issue with it. And let's let's take it out of of malpractice insurance and put it into a health insurance policy. So, say you and your wife, or you and your spouse, husband, whatever. Sorry, I'm snorting up. I'm trying not to drip. Um, you guys both work full time. You both are offered health insurance policies. You both elected to take the family option for your health insurance policies and then you file a claim with the dentist or to the your primary care you go in for your you know mammogram or whatever your well woman visit or whatever it is and you have your insurance you've got your husband's insurance you give them both cards and you say figure it out let's figure this out and then what they do is they they reject it because they don't know which one you have <laughs> which which one's going to be primary they'll both they'll both reject it And that's why people say, well, I don't want to do that with my liability insurance. I don't want them both getting rejected. But in reality, you're covered under both. So what they're doing is a matter of course because you don't have a lawyer when you go to the doctor and see, or to your nurse practitioner or to your PA or whoever you see, and you say, you know, I I got my attorney in the car waiting just to see which insurance policy doesn't work, and then I'm going to have, you know, I'll fight them with my lawyer because you don't do that. So it's a matter of course that they're going to reject it until they figure out who is primary and who is secondary. Now, there's different ways they do it. And they, and the, the one that my I, I think my wife says, and I, we always do it through one because we had that same situation happen. So I'm turned off by it too, the idea of having two insurance policies in your name. The, and, and what our insurance policy does now, if I were to elect to take insurance at my company then it would be whose ever birthday is first in the year, your wife or your husband or whoever it is, the spouse or you, that is the primary insurance for that person. And that's how it works in the policy that we have right now. So there's, and I'm sure there's other ways too, like which one was elected first. Well you elected to get into that policy first, so therefore it's primary, and then you know you came here after and that's a secondary policy. So it just depends on the terms of the contract that you sign for your health insurance policy. And yes, you don't have your lawyer to fight every little thing because it'd be too expensive. So they know that. So they're going to reject it in hopes that you just pay the little 50, 60, 80, 100 bucks and go away. And then they make more money. It's a scumbag way of move but they're not gonna spend the resources figuring out which one's primary, which one's secondary. When you have a malpractice insurance claim and you've got a primary insurance policy through your company and you have a personal insurance policy through you, guess what? You're gonna have an attorney and they're gonna know exactly when and whose policy kicks in. And the second that that insurance provider says, oh, well we need to figure out who it is, your lawyer's gonna slap them in the face with your contract and say, you do. (laughs) <laughs> and you do it now, so it's not a big deal. It really isn't. It's a non-issue because it's a when you file a claim through your malpractice insurance, it's usually more than a couple thousand bucks. It's worth the cost of having your lawyer. So you're not going to have that issue. And if you do, then I I, I don't know what to say to you. I, 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 I don't know how to handle that. I guess you're going you're going to have a lawyer anyways. Call your lawyer. Your lawyer's going to figure that out. Now, if you have both insurance policies, read them. There might be a provision in there. I don't know. When I read my insurance policy, here's what I did. I read the front page that it had my limits. I read a couple of the provisions real quick, and I said, I'm good. Because I know that it's boilerplate. It is it is what it is. I can't negotiate it anyways. So if I have a claim, I just got to read the contract and go back and look at it. Yeah, it's, And they're all essentially going to be the same. So I'm not freaking out about it. I don't expect to get sued, but you never do. So that's, I guess maybe some people do, but do you really want to be that guy? Not me. I want to be better than that. (laughs) So anyways, so I I hope that that kind of answers it. So it's not just a, a, a practicality question of, of, um, whether you should have your own coverage by insurance or by, you know, being able to hire your attorney. That's a really good reason though. But the, the other one is is that you're already gonna have an attorney, so it doesn't really matter. That that competing argument isn't really there. It's not the same thing as like a health insurance policy that's a low level number. It's usually a bigger bigger dollar item, you know, a, a bigger dollar complaint or suit that's gonna be settled and you got somebody on your behalf that's your attorney that's gonna fight for you individually, not the corporate and throw you under the bus. just to save somebody else or if, if they don't care if you've already moved on and your insurance policy was there and that claim was made and you're no longer there. I mean, just you can see where those gray areas get in that I've talked about previously. So if you haven't listened before to insurance issues, I've done probably five or six shows now where I've touched on something related to insurance. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first one, which was what is malpractice and statute of limitations and all that stuff. Those are the main issues because if you understand what malpractice is, then the insurance coverage for it makes a little bit more sense. So I would encourage that. Use the search bar on my Facebook page or on my uh, my website, thenpdude.com, and just type in malpractice, and you'll get every show that I've talked about with malpractice or insurance and things like that. I always use those when I do insurance. I always tag all those tag words just so that way you guys can find them easier. So that was that was one issue that I wanted to get through today, and it was a good point because I never really talked about the big picture of it. So I appreciate the comment on that. Um, what else do we want to talk about? I don't know. Oh, um, one of my listeners who I'm friends with, the uh, Facebook friends, uh, with posted something on the HPV vaccine and, uh, I'm not going to use his name, but he's, he's one of my solid guys and I appreciate his comments all the time. And this was just on his page. So he, and I'm definitely not going to use his name because it was on his page. It wasn't on mine. And, uh, it was about HPV vaccine and their safety and stuff like that. And, I, and and it was good information. It came straight from the CDC and it was a great, you know, it was, um, breaking the myths of, of, um, of the, um, HPV, um, uh, vaccine in general. It wasn't specific to what I talked about previously. And um, so that, that was interesting, but it didn't say anything about premature ovarian failure under the safety and efficacy or say the safety, not so much the efficacy, but the safety portion of it. And it basically was saying, you know, this is a physician and it's, you know, it's all safe. It's all good. And it goes through the myths and, you know, you, you about, about cervical cancer and the HPV vaccine. It was good information. It's great information. It's stuff that I, I talk about with my patients all the time. But here's the problem I have with that article. And this is, this is a bigger issue in general. And it goes to the point of being able to read an article, read a research um, document, read uh, Facebook posts, reading information in general, and whether it's valuable or not. And one of my criteria, before I even read the content of the document, Because it might be perfectly appropriate, accurate information. It might very well be perfectly, on point, wonderfully written. But the first thing I do is I skim through and I go to the bottom and I see do they have any lick of references, hyperlinks to other articles, hyperlinks to other documentation, hyperlinks to research when they're making claims. I don't care who the title is, I don't care where they're coming from, I don't care if it's the government, I don't care if it's a private citizen, I don't care if it's you know Glaxo Smith-Kline, I don't care. If they don't have a link or references in their document that they're talking about, I automatically say, mm, opinion, it's opinion, it's true opinion. There's nothing here backing it up. And that article in specific, it was like, oh, this is great information, and it's from the CDC guy, you know, some, some reputable person, I, I would imagine. But the problem is, is there was no, there's not a single reference. Not a single one. And he's making claims all over the place. And I agree that those claims are probably right. I agree. But you need to back them up. You can't be lazy. you got to actually fill in the, you know, back up what you say and people have to be able to pull that up easily and say oh okay yeah there's the study that said that that was done and oh i could look at that study and here it tells me my n value is four or oh there's an n of two million okay that's a little bit more reliable i i'm okay with that so i i'm i'm that guy i look at the i follow the the links now one of the things that i did in and, and law school really taught me this and 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 um It's part of legal research and how you used to have to do it. Now you do it more through database research and Lexis and and Westlaw and things like that. And there's other ones out there too. But um, those are the two main ones. But when you used to do legal research, you would do this thing called citation chasing. And you learned about this. You probably, if you didn't learn about it, you should have learned about it in one of your research classes when you were getting your MSN or your DNP. And so so citation chasing is where you take the document that you're reading and you see the claim that you're considered you're concerned about whatever it is your research topic or more information that might affect your research or more or how you do something or whatever it is your EBP and you look at that citation and you go grab that citation and you pull up that document and you see that document and then and then you see who has cited to that document and then you follow those links and you see why they're citing to it what are they using it for and once you do this enough you'll see in any specific topic that it's the same four or five people that are cited to. And it becomes, you know, or even two or three. And so you'll hit a critical mass where it's the same people referencing the same things over and over again, saying that they're the authority on whatever that topic is. And sometimes they are. But sometimes it's like, oh, well, there's a lot, this huge body of knowledge on the surface looks huge, but it's repackaging of the same material in different ways, different over and over again. And everybody just takes it as, no, that's the way it is because it was said in this research study way back when and it, it supports my view. I don't know. So you have to be careful and you've got to follow those trails. And to be really, really thorough at it is when you can really tease out, okay, this isn't really valuable or, oh, well, this is valuable. But it might take a lot, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of time to do that. So citation chasing is a great way that you can gut check quickly the validity of, a, of an article. And if it doesn't have any citations, I take it as opinion, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, that's neat to know, but I'm not going to use that as it's written. Sorry, traffic. Busy intersection. But um, I don't use that as my go-to of my resource to say that's why I'm doing this, or that's why I'm not going to do this. So... Just because some guy that has a lot of titles after his name and works for the government says this is right, do we should we take that as as the law and gospel? Absolutely not. We should question everything, and that's the scientific method in general. So I, I'm a firm believer; that scientific method works, but you you have to prove all the ways it doesn't work. Is how you do it. Somebody makes a claim, and then I say, well, I don't believe until I I can't prove that it doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, so work it backwards. So that's, that's how I take those, and, and, but it was a good article, it was well written, it was interesting, uh, and I appreciate that it was posted, but I didn't see any references, not a single one. So I, I challenge you as professionals in healthcare to, um, to dig a little deeper on things, not just take it at face value, we're all busy, we all get that, but you've got to dig a little deeper if you really want to make sure that you're being safe you got to you got to know the risks and you got to be able to explain it to your patients and i think that that's important that we that we do that now again i'm not talking specifically the hpv vaccine i'm talking bigger picture i'm talking about everything whether it's a medication a treatment a procedure or whatever it doesn't matter it's the same same process it's the same mindset you should make sure that you're being 100% thorough although you're never going to be 100% sure that it's safe you just aren't you're never going to get there Anybody that says that this is 100% safe, it's full of crap. They're lying. And if you're telling your patients that, oh, it's 100% safe, there's always somebody that's going to have some funky reaction to something. And you don't know if it's going to be your patient. Now, statistically speaking, it's probably not going to be your patient, but it could be. So you can't say that. So what do I say when I I start somebody on a new medication and they're worried about side effects? I go through all the side effects with them. I pull it right up on Medscape and say, I don't know, let's go through them. So these are the main ones, you know, here's the top ones, and but there's a ton of them, and you know, during studies, they have to report any of the side effects, because they don't know if it causes it, and that's what we're seeing here. But here's the main ones. That doesn't mean that it couldn't be something weird that there isn't even on this list that could happen to you. So if you feel anything different or anything new in the next, you know, three or four weeks, while we're trying this med at a really low dose to see if you tolerate it, then we'll uh, we'll stop and we'll keep track of it We'll put it down as a reaction just to be safe and so I tell people that all the time I'm a start slow kind of guy make sure they tolerate it and make sure it's working and then we'll and then we'll ramp up we'll get you therapeutic but it might take a month or two and so that seems to work I don't know if you guys have a different take on that if you have a different approach or a different philosophy on research and and you know if you believe 100% everything you read um Tell me what resources that you're using because I might start using them. <laughs> <laughs> because I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading. I'm constantly reading. Especially diabetes medications, man. Those things scare the crap out of you. Everybody's going to die with a diabetes medication. It's ridiculous. So, you guys chime in. Don't forget you can like and share the show on Facebook. And um, you can follow me now on Twitter at the NP Dude. You can, um, let's see, how else can you get me? Email me, jeff at the NPDude.com. You can personal message me through Facebook. You can message me through the NP Dude on Facebook. There's a ton of ways to get in touch with me now. I'm not giving you my cell phone, though. I just don't want the phone calls. That one's sacred. Because I'm on call, call too, so I don't want to be on call and then getting phone calls. It's too much. Too much. So um, feel free to send me those show ideas and share the show, guys. I'm having a blast. I'm just having an absolute blast with you guys. So keep spreading the word, and uh, we'll talk soon.